0: Welcome to the Binge Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, David Rocha, and fresh from church is Romeo Mora. Romeo, how was today's sermon?
1: Confusing. (laughs) I learned about new commandments that I didn't know existed.
0: Well, speaking of new commandments you didn't know existed, we're going to talk about Moral Oral today. Moral Oral is an American adult stop-motion animated television series which originally aired on Adult Swim from 2005 to 2008 and had a 2012 special. The show's creator, Dino Stamatakis, Describes Moral Oral as a send-up of a Leave it to Beaver-style 1950s sitcom that was star Iggy Pop. The series is a satire of the archetypes of middle American suburban life, modern-day wasp culture, alcoholism, and religious fundamentalism, with weighty emotional undertones that increase dramatically as the series progresses. Joining us today to talk about Moral Oral is... nobody. I'm going to be the guest for today's show and I'll hand over the reins to Romeo in just a moment, but usually the first thing we typically ask somebody is why did you want to talk about this show? Well, real simple answer for me today. Moral Oral may not make my top five animated shows of all time. We needed something short and I wanted to do something that was a little bit on the edgy side that people know about but maybe aren't necessarily big fans of or kind of bring awareness to it. I just think that Moral Oral is just this very unique show that would have made for a fun discussion. Because yeah, as far as our recording schedules go, Romeo and myself are kind of up against the clock. So I thought, this show would be a pretty fun deep dive to do just as like one of these like quick hits. All that being said, Romeo, I hand over the reins to you.
1: What inspired you to start watching this show? How did you stumble on this? Like we mentioned, it's on Adult Swim. Rarely do they have anything scheduled or really advertised. So I'm kind of curious. How'd you find the show?
0: So Adult Swim has been part of my viewing for many evenings that weren't spent with friends or other late night activities. I would watch reruns of Futurama and Family Guy and Eventually they started developing their own programs and I would actually give them a shot because they're only like 10, 11 minutes long. They were in these like 15 minute blocks. So I thought that was kind of cool. And you're watching these shows that no other network in their right minds would greenlight. I mean, we're talking about things like Lucy, the Daughter of the Devil, Xavier Renegade Angel, and Assy McGee. <laughs> you, you oh, know? God,
1: Assy McGee. You remember Assy McGee? I remember Assy McGee. Do you know <laughs> about Lucy and the Daughter of the Devil? I like that
0: one. Xavier Renegade Angel is just a freaking trip.
1: It is. I know all these shows. This is clearly like a older tier millennial centric podcast, because I don't think anyone outside of our top tier age bracket would know any of these shows.
0: Exactly. And that's my point. There was just a wonderful period in the 2000s where Adult Swim was greenlining all this wacky content. And I was all on board for it, man. I was willing to check out any of it. Sure, the shows we just mentioned, they were okay in some spots, maybe even moderately unwatchable. But they also had some of the best animated shows, The Venture Brothers. The Boondocks, Metalocalypse, I love those shows. So Adult Swim just has such a huge impact of my animated viewing pleasure when I was a teenager and into my early adulthood that why not, let's do Moral Oral. And when I checked it out, it was kind of interesting. You're gonna ask me about the pilot in a minute here, but I should say that the first episode of Moral Oral I watched wasn't the pilot, but I did watch when it premiered. It was during Christmas time. They Mm. actually aired the season one finale, which is the Christmas episode, Before the rest of the season Which was a very strange choice for Adult Swim Because if you watch the episode Which I know you did, Romeo But for the listeners The tone of it gets very dark towards the end And there's some things that are character related Where you're wondering like Where did that come from? What does this all mean? You're left a little confused So it was a really strange choice for Adult Swim To broadcast as the debut of More Oral And I get why they did it It was Christmas time They wanted a Christmas show content But I thought that was weird But if it comes back I'll watch it because again i'm willing to give anything adult swim broadcast a chance
1: yeah which was interesting i remember reading that many fans were confused and they thought this was a joke on adult swim's part where they were like this is a one-time thing right there's no show and they're like no no, no. there's a show coming we just wanted to air their christmas episode during christmas they kind and of it, fireflyed the show
0: <laughs> and it's fair to think that adult swim would pull a joke because adult swim at the time was kind of notorious for an april fools thing. Right. they would actually broadcast the room <laughs> on April. April Fools for a couple years in a row. I'm
1: sad. I missed this.
0: Adult Swim is how I found out about the room. I was, I I popped on. I was like, what the hell is
1: this? Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah, so there were times where you had to not trust adults with. Right. <laughs> so I, I understand fans concern when that happened.
1: All right, so let's move on to that pilot because eventually the pilot did air. What was it about that pilot that said, okay, I'm on board with this show?
0: Well, what got me interested was that, I mean, I didn't find the pilot particularly an amazing episode, but what I did like is that it was some twisted spin on Davy and Goliath. And for people who may not be familiar with Davy and Goliath, it was like this old Lutheran stop-motion cartoon that featured a boy and his dog, the boy being Davy, the dog being Goliath, and they would get into some sort of mischief or adventure or something, and there would be some lesson about God in in every episode, pretty much. So I kind of like that it was like a twisted spin on that because sometimes I like my shit a little edgy. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie.
1: Right. (laughs) It was like the jokes on that pilot were really fiery in all cylinders. I think my favorite one is... Miss Censor Doll was burning <laughs> Animal Farm, Fahrenheit 451.
0: Necronomicon, a.k.a. the Book of the Dead.
1: And of course, how Stella got her groove back.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, I thought that was just the funniest thing. So I did notice those little psychags because I thought that was really funny. And that was another character that made me raise an eyebrow was Ms. Censor Doll because you see her protesting Wizard of Oz <laughs> when they're driving to church. And then when they're listening to their Christian radio station, the next band that plays is multiple godgasms and the song is going like, bow down to Jesus burn in heaven (laughs) right it's so random but so funny and coach dot frame watching clay pee outside the bar was like this really strange thing where you're just like okay why is he watching him pee does he have some weird fascination with them i gotta see what's going on there but we've
1: but but we learned
0: (laughs) oh but we learned but yeah just like the shenanigans that oral gets into because he takes sermons and advice maybe a little too literally yeah (laughs) so he raises the dead i thought It was funny that the zombies were praying before they eat the people's brains. Right,
1: thank you, Lou, for this bountiful brain I'm about to eat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, rub it up, thanks for the grub.
1: at least they're good christian zombies right i will say my favorite part is his father is mad not because he rose the dead is because they're naked because oral thought that the smell was coming from their clothes yeah and it's like no it's coming from their bodies because they're dead
0: because as the last 11th commandment says thou shalt be ashamed of thy natural anatomy
1: (laughs) exactly That is the most warped 11 minutes of my life. And it kind of reminds me of the short back in the 90s that SNL would run like the ex-presidents and the ambiguously gay duo.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes, that's right. The ambiguously gay duo.
1: Like, <laughs> Stephanie would get away with them. Like, I kind of timed it one time too. Like, yeah, it's after midnight, they air those shorts. The safe harbor hours.
0: Yes. And we'll definitely get into it because Swim execs has some thoughts. Credit to Dino Ston- he did not want to break from his creative vision, almost to a fault. So we'll definitely get into that a little bit later. But I will say, though, like even though Oral takes his Protestant sermons very literally, I am not interested in attacking religion because of this show. That is not why I watched it. It would definitely play a part because there are times when you're sitting in church and they're saying things and you think to yourself, I don't know about that like you do have a lot of questions and sometimes the answers to those questions are not satisfying they kind of rub you the wrong way so full disclosure i'm not religious i haven't been religious for pretty much my entire life i was raised roman catholic i did it all first communion confirmation you did
1: confirmation i didn't didn't go that far
0: yeah i did confirmation i went to catechism for a time i was forced to go to bible study because that's what you had to do to go to confirmation i've been asked by a priest did you go to confession so that you can complete this Thing and I lied to him and said yes while we were okay. sitting in church. That's <laughs> Just, a sin. <laughs> it's a sin, but I don't care. <laughs> But no, I'm not religious. Long story short, it's just it was not a fun experience for me. Some people find church fun. Maybe as fun as Oral finds it. Not me. With all that being said, I am agnostic. I am the worst kind of person. Wow. (laughs) The the one who won't land on anything. Not ballsy enough to be an atheist. I just don't want to attach myself to anything. Anyways.
1: At one point where you're like, okay, I'm in for however long this show is going to run for. Which, to be fair, you never knew with Adult Swim.
0: No, it's very true. Adult Swim you never know what's going to happen to their contents. You don't want to get too hooked to a show. And with more Oral, even I was like, hey, is, how long is this going to go for? Because through eight episodes, you're pretty much seeing the same thing over and over again. Oral takes something too literally. He does something that's really crazy and he gets punished by his dad. End of episode. So it was actually episode nine of season one called Maturity is when I realized, oh, right. So this can get kind of dark. Oral starts drinking. Part of being mature is being able to drink alcohol, but it makes him totally miserable, like as miserable as Clay. We also see him at Forgetty's Pub and we see the collection of characters who live in the town who are also there drinking at Forgetty's Pub. So right there, what triggered me was like, oh, so this whole town is miserable. And if they keep going with this show, they'll have to explore these other characters. And sure enough, that's what ended up happening. So I guess another thing is, what is beneficial about seeing the Best Christmas Ever episode first was knowing that it can get a little bit dark when you see Clay and Blablurda have their argument in the bedroom. So you kind of knew already that it was going to go this direction. But yeah, it was maturity, though. It was going to be something worth sticking around for.
1: I will say, like, that first season, they were really seeing where the line was drawn for Adult Swim and how far they can obliterate it and step over it. If you go beyond season one, hold on to your butts because we're going to go to some places.
0: Oh, yeah. But man, some of these episodes in season one are so crazy. Like the second episode alone. God's Chef is insane. If any kids stumble upon that episode and a mom walked in watching them watch that, they would probably write letters to Adult Swim.
1: I'm surprised that the one million moms didn't protest against this. And it was probably
0: because it's on a network within a network and they are so small time. It's not really worth the effort that it would take to try to fight the network for having the show on like if this aired on ABC then oh man it's done it's on Adult Swim which is in Cartoon Network so I just think that no one was watching it to even get mad about it but God, chef it's not just so much like what happens in the episode it's the fact that it's a kid that's right. making it happen in the episode
1: I would say like this makes South Park look tame I thought like the whole Scott Tetterman episode <laughs>
0: it's one of my favorite episodes <laughs> Me, mine too.
1: mine too. I'm not gonna lie I thought like that's like the pinnacle of okay this is like a spark as cable tv can possibly go with animation nope moral orals like you know what hold my beer let me air God's chef
0: i would have to look into this and i probably couldn't find anything on this even if i tried but maybe adult swim was trying to figure out what they should try to get away with as maybe as a network they were still trying to think okay how edgy do we want to be and let's let dino stomatopoulos experiment for us and i don't think they've had a show even close to the gratuitous level that more oral has since. Not that I can think of.
1: During season one, there were a couple of episodes that were held back from the original run and one of them was Chef's Kiss because its original premiere date was several months after. The rest of the show premiered in like February and January 2006. Chef's Kiss didn't premiere until July 30th. So clearly, like in that first season, there were a couple of episodes Loyalty and maturity that were held back from the original run. God's chef was the last one of that season, which I kind of want to know. Did they take anything out to rework it for them to finally air it? Because if so, I kind of want to see the original.
0: Those are all good questions. Those are all good points. Good (laughs) research there. I didn't know that it actually aired months later. I didn't even think about that because it's been so long that I actually don't remember what aired when. Right. I would have to look that up. And yeah, seeing that it aired on July 31st when the third episode aired February 6th, which was the week after The Lord's Greatest Gift, the first episode of the series. That's interesting right there. Yeah, and then yeah. having that break from February to May. I don't know what that was about to wrap up the rest of the first season. Very interesting.
1: I don't know if they were arguing with the network. I want to know the story.
0: Dino Samatopoulos did say that there were times where the Adult Swim execs were saying, hey, this is too dark, man. Like, we're not going to air this. So there were moments like that you know he really fought for the show and I don't know how much of his true vision is uh-huh. in every episode but I would think that it's as close as possible because there's some very graphic things that happen in some of these episodes
1: and I also learned that just when in season three there were supposed to be more episodes and they chose not to produce them yeah yeah
0: and we'll definitely get into that in because a little that's, bit. that's
1: wild let's move on to
0: the main characters so there are three main characters to me in this show and that's okay. Oral, Clay, and Blablurda we're going to start with oral i love oral
1: <laughs> but dude you kind of want to slap him right
0: for sure he's obviously the most naive kid in town i would say i mean Doey gives him a run for his money but i think oral kind of takes the cake with his interpretation of a lot of the things that he learns in oral's defense oral does ask okay. questions which is what a kid should do a kid should always ask questions and the adults listen and they answer those questions maybe they don't follow up the way that would be appropriate for an adult to do especially his parents when he asks advice from them because we know that Clay and Blaberta are just very bad parents. I mean they're so emotionally distant to Oral. If you had to put a number on it, a percentage on it, how much blame would you place on Oral for the things that he does in every yeah. episode? So
1: this takes me back to that episode where pretty much in church they all excuse Oral and they all have like a town meeting about yes. him first they're like Clay it's your fault, it's your son because I have to be responsible for his actions. Like, you're his parent. What about his teachers? Oh, hell no, I don't get paid. I just teach him about <laughs> stuff. That's not going to do anything in life. And here's the thing this is what drives me crazy about religion. When you have someone who is questioning the scriptures, depending on your interpretation of the scriptures, sometimes you're taught at least certain people that it is the actual word of God there's no interpretation however the literal word in the scriptures contradict moral norms so someone who's taught to be the social norms of their town will hear something and hear the sermon will naturally have questions and the problem I have is they misconstrue it to make sure that the scriptures is always right when obviously those were written thousands of years ago the idea is you learn a moral lesson and you apply it to modern life, not misconstrue modern life to fit your narrow view of what someone wrote thousands of years ago. And I've seen this many times where you're like, you're not answering the question. Be straight with the kid and really explore what faith is. But no, none of the adults can ever have a down-to-earth conversation. There's always some bullshit explanation to make sure that the scripture is always right. When we all know the scripture isn't always infallible.
0: You're thinking of season. 3 episode 3 innocence where the town yeah. finally is aware of the damage yes. they <laughs>
1: Yes hence the bathing in the blood of the innocents. I think that's the main message of the series. If we had honest conversations about faith, you wouldn't have characters like Moral.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You see throughout the series that Oral gets told like how bad Buddhism is. So in the episode Praying, Oral has to compete against the Reginald T. Begging Elementary Begging Mantises (laughs) in a praying bee championship. It's also noted that praying isn't supposed to be fun. It's a last measure when all else fails. But he tries meditation because he basically has like carpal tunnel from praying too much. And he pretty much reaches enlightenment and talks to Buddha. It's kind of a cool moment for Oral because he's finally learning something different for himself uh-huh. and realizes that there are other ways to be fulfilled. Not everything has to be your way. Like Buddhism exists. Buddhism is not a communist cult that allows just about any random practice under the sun. <laughs> it's, it's more than that. I thought that was a really uh, interesting and enlightening moment. So you know that there's a possibility that Oral can grow, that there's potential Mm -hmm. for him, that he won't be a victim of his parents and the town of Moralton.
1: Here's the thing about Morrill too. Like, I feel like he's the most tolerant. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because I think out of all of them, he takes the idea of what Christ is really preaching in the scriptures is acceptance and tolerance of everyone, regardless of what they believe in, which reminds me of the episode where he meets Christina and her family. They're basically mirror images of each other, except for the fact they're Catholic and God forbid the Protestants are cool with Catholics. It's one of my other pet peeves with religion and the show nails it on the head is there's no acceptance that maybe there's not just one way to believe or have faith. Most people say, oh yeah, believe what you want, but deep down you know like our religion is right and you get that from them. I'm like, "Mm, I don't think so. The common theme I find in all religions, pretty much be a good person. Don't be a dickhead. And if you fuck up, atone for your sin and move on and make amends.
0: Yeah, don't attend the repressional as we see frequently throughout the series.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Bury it deep, Romeo. Bury it deep. (laughs) Bury it deep and that's how you become an alcoholic.
0: Yeah, right. Oral, I just loved also how he got to see his father's true colors on that hunting trip and he totally loses respect for him. We even see to a point where he doesn't even take him seriously he doesn't care what he has to say to him in his study there's a point where he doesn't even gulp when he has to go into the study because he's just not afraid of him anymore so yeah you just see the growth throughout Stamatopoulos originally had a five season plan for the series Mm -hmm. and because of the early cancellation he had to tie up all the storylines in season three but i was very curious to see what more would they have done in those two extra seasons
1: right for the
0: growth of oral and the rest of that
1: town really that town's doomed i just (laughs) say <laughs> Pour some kerosene and light it up. There's no going. <laughs> There's no going back. Um, yeah. My God. Let's talk a little about Clay. Whew, what a man. I mean, have you seen how many animals and guns
0: that he's killed and, and owns? Oh so my God. That, that's what makes a man, right?
1: He is the picture of toxic masculinity. That's exactly
0: as... what I was going to say. So early on, Oral's dad, Clay Puppington, is just this neglectful self-hating, possibly by
1: curious <laughs> man. <What? who? laughs> it wasn't really fully explored, right?
0: Not to his truest form. I mean, there were definitely moments where it was like, it's tough because we don't see him actually physically do anything. But there were definitely moments where it was like presented in the right situation. He would 100% try things. Here's what we know about Clay. He's an alcoholic. He hates his dead end job. He doesn't like his wife. He is not all that attentive towards his kids. At the end of season one, he pretty much figures out that Shapey's not his son. Even before that, he was never attentive towards Shapey anyways. We know these things about him. He doesn't give good advice. He has these lost commandments hanging up in his study. We don't know why until later on. We just kind of figured it was a means to just kind of keep Oral in line. Anything Oral does wrong, he gets beat for it. And it's basically so that he can not have any opinions of his own. There's really nothing of value that comes from those moments between clay and oral and clay. I mean, oral learns that later on now, one of the best episodes of the series is when we learn about Clay as a child. And that was a really cool moment because it shows where it just all stems from. So Clay was smothered by his mother and he loved every second of it. It was because his mother miscarried like 10 times. And in that backstory, we learned that his mother dies off of a prank that he pulls because she has a bad heart. His father has been neglected since Clay was born because she died, he blamed. Clay for it. And the only way Clay could get any reaction out of him was if he did bad things and or said bad things that warranted getting slapped. And they got to the point where Clay's father kind of realized that and pretty much said like, no, you're not even worth it. I'm not going to touch you because I know this is what you're looking for. And I don't want to give you what you're looking for. So it's just like this really sad thing. you know. It's like he really became a lost soul after that. And just he needed a Parents and his father wouldn't be there for him. So, in that way, you really sympathize for him. And then later on, you go to learn that he's just just a straight-laced religious boy who stumbled upon attending a wedding because he thought it was a church sermon. Right. (laughs) But stuck around, anyways. And that's where he met Blaberta. And Blaberta, we find out through her backstory as well, that she was neglected by her mother because she didn't fit into the family choir. She had her own little bit of a drinking problem as well. And she liked to drink. She liked to have fun, wanted to have fun. She meets Clay, this handsome man who is very straight laced. And she is basically the reason why he has his first drink. So it's kind of interesting because you think to yourself, is Blubberda the reason why Clay is the way he is? For a lot of reasons, yeah. But we also have to remind ourselves, eventually, Clay would have had a drink at some point, right? So it was almost like he would have eventually turned into an alcoholic at some point. It just happened to be Blubberda who did it to him. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: That's interesting because, you know, th- that's tough because I feel like Clay ultimately is responsible for his own actions, whether or not he partakes in alcohol. So we can't necessarily blame her by the same time. She is aching him on. She is creating this problem and tricks him into marriage. But Lerna is the maker of her own misery because she didn't want to feel left out instead of finding someone she actually loves. She tricks the first guy she meets, but Clay also needs to have responsibility in his own bed of misery because he's clearly not happy, especially that he's having multiple affairs,
0: having some fun with some uh, prostitutes as well. Right. With, One episode. With, the,
1: with the mouth herpy.
0: Dude, I love that. When you pull the newspaper down yeah. and it's on his face that I just started busting up laughing. <laughs> it's
1: like how does Bloberta not realize that? I mean, she's not stupid, right?
0: Well, that's the thing. Of course she realizes it. She just doesn't care because what Blaberta does, she cleans the aggression out. She just doesn't want to deal with it. She obviously babied Shapey to the point where who knows how long she was breastfeeding him for. <laughs> oh,
1: God. He was still asking for it. Yeah, there was a line Too right, where Clay got frustrated, like you can't keep breastfeeding him. But in terms of Clay, and I want to pose this question to you: Do you think his relationship—I guess we can call it that—the coach and Clay's father have similar personalities? Do you think that's the draw that he's getting in something he never got from his father? Attention. Yeah, like attention. Except that attention or that intimacy is more sexual than what I guess he was probably was seeking out to begin with.
0: You raise a very excellent point because. What Coach Stofframe was to Clay was that Stofframe pretty much loved them for who Clay was. Clay can be himself around him because he went to the bar with him, so he probably seen Clay get drunk and make scenes of himself. And there's one particular episode where Clay is just digging into everybody at the bar because he had a bad morning, and so you know that he's probably made several scenes in Mm -hmm. Forgetti's Pub. You know that Stofframe has seen that, but Stofframe still comes back to him. It's still his friend that still cares to him. In the way that he cares to him. So yeah, that actually, you make a really good point there. There is something there that it was more like, here is somebody who actually has interest in me, who actually keeps coming back, who loves me for who I am unconditionally. Why can't I get this from my wife? Why can't I get this from my father? Why do I have to seek it from the gym teacher?
1: But here's the kicker. Once Clay admits that he loves Stop Frame, he takes back his love, yeah. just like his father. And that just throws me for a loop. But with the best line is, you can go now, believe the bear. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is amazing to know how the show ends, how presumably sane Moral is because of his parents and his upbringing, which I hope he moves out of that damn town.
0: It really added a lot that we got to see both of their backstories because you're not just born this way. You know what I mean? There are just these traumatizing things in life that leave this imprint on you and shape who you become as an adult. And we clearly see that through Clay and Blablurda. And like Reverend Putty is saying in the final moments of the series with Oral, sometimes There's a miracle, and that person grows up to be they become a loving father and husband. I wouldn't say I cried at the end of the season, but I really felt that because I mean, growing up, you see some kids in your own class where you're like, Man, that kid has it tough, man. Whether it's like how they look or just like little things that they say, like why their dad isn't around or why their mom is around or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. you feel kind of bad for them, you know what I mean? You just kind of hope that they grow up to be good people, and some of them do, but unfortunately, some of them don't. But like you said earlier about Oral's like Oral. He's almost by default the smartest kid in town. There's room there for him to be open to other things. One of his closest friends winds up being Stephanie because he sees that Stephanie is just a good person. She probably shouldn't have given him a Prince Albert, but that's beside the point. But no, it's like he sees the good in people regardless of religion, and I think that was really important. Like you said, Oral did he move out of Morrelton? And I like to believe he did. His wife Christine would have been raised the same way, seen the same things that he's seen. So I like to believe that the two of them together would be like, this is no place for our kids. Let's go live somewhere else.
1: Let's touch on a little bit more on Roberta. If there's anything else you want to add that you haven't already.
0: You always want to hope that one of these parents can step up to the plate and be oh, a God, no. parent. <laughs> Not this it, one. Like It really is stunning that she can see Clay for who he is and also just feel absolutely miserable, but at the same time, do absolutely nothing about it.
1: And you know what it is, what I know notice with Bloberta, there's a sick superiority that she gets from calling out his faults. She needs to be with him to prove that she's better than him, that she's better than someone, that she's not as bad as someone. And that's how I feel like that's the dynamic of that relationship. That's the only reason I can imagine that she's with him.
0: It's an interesting read. So all signs pointed to a divorce at the end of season one, but at the beginning of season two, it's established that your mother and I are staying together because for perception and for the kids, basically, not a good reason to stay together. (laughs) And they don't do anything else to improve upon that it's just more like well let's just keep being the same people we're gonna be and I think it's just because Roberta just she just doesn't care man at least with Clay he's trying parent moral because Blaberta is the one who says take care of them teach them lessons do these things because I'm not going to waste my time doing it and it's just like what like what kind of mother is this she puts it on clay even though she knows that clay is the worst person in the house
1: I think clay only parents is when it makes him look bad is hmm. the perception because we learned that he's the mayor of this town which is yeah. shocking to me
0: not only did I love that reveal but I also love that Oral didn't even know he was mayor of the
1: town. I, I feel like that's so- so true though a point in a child's life where you realize your parents are something bigger outside of just being your parents that's the only like realistic reaction I've seen about growing up that idea like oh my dad is more than just my dad he has a whole life he actually does something when he leaves the house I think at that point he realizes that not only does he screws up everything at home but he's also the reason when the whole town is screwed up. You have a dysfunctional alcoholic running your town. Sorry, I, I, know, I know we went back to Clay, but we're talking about um, Bloberta.
0: Because I think it's fair to say that Clay's the best character on the show.
1: He is in a weird, sick way. Bloberta's... Clearly she's depressed. I mean, you have someone that's continually breastfeeding a child that mm-hmm. clearly doesn't need to be breastfed. Which I'm kind of wondering if she's is she also breastfed block too. That's a whole different oh, subject god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to but it goes back to that one statement her nonchalantness i like hey can I have shapey back out of sentimental reasons but I also see like this town is so sexist That those symptoms and that illness can go untreated. She also kind of is a take on Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique. Because there's this famous quote, and I have to look it up, which will probably for final thoughts, where she talks about the unfulfilled housewife. That all she's allowed to do in society is to be a mother, to be a housekeeper. But clearly, she has more dreams, more aspirations.
0: And the only time we really see her happy is when she's singing. And she was never really allowed to do that by her mother.
1: Exactly, And I feel like those Puritan values that were instilled in Booker, I guess, might have even stunted her growth in Mm -hmm. terms of her personality.
0: And it sucks because we don't see her grow out of that by the end of the series.
1: Now that we've covered the main characters of the series, are there any supporting characters that you feel that are worth noting?
0: Absolutely. And I have to start things off with Reverend Putty. Oh, Reverend Putty. (laughs) I love Reverend Putty because he's basically the best and the worst. He's so funny. Okay, so early on we learned that he is a virgin and that he likes to keep making the point that he can date women, he can have fun. There's just something also instantly likable about him even though he's some of his sermons are very questionable (laughs) and he kind of wings them sometimes. There's also sermons that he's used in years past that Clay points out and him and Bulberta. and that's the only moment you kind of see the two of them have fun is when they're like imitating the sermons that he once did a few years ago. His door most of the time is open to Oral, and sometimes he gives some okay advice. He's not paying attention to how Oral is understanding the advice that he's giving, thus leading to Oral doing some really terrible things that he's not supposed to do. But he means well in the end. He's a little edgy too. There's just like this overall, he's the first character you realize is like truly and utterly alone and lonely because Blablurda has her kids, Clay has his kids, so they're not Mm -hmm. alone. But Reverend Putty, No, this guy is truly alone and doesn't Uh really have any friends. Like the congregation, he wouldn't call any of those people his friends. He doesn't really want to hang out with any of them unless they're like an attractive woman. So, yeah, you really feel that loneliness.
1: It's interesting because I feel like he creates his own loneliness, He's not a Catholic priest. He's allowed to date.
0: This brings me to my next point is that in the episode, Be Fruitful and Multiply, where he learns that he is a father. He doesn't want to be accepting of being a father. Like he doesn't want any part of that. Right. It wasn't until he has a conversation with Oral where Oral basically tells him, like, we basically make our own loneliness. The only way we could ever truly be happy is if we invite people into our lives and build our own community and, and our own and just connect with people like. Like, that's the most important thing. It's kind of funny, like out of all of this advice that Putty has given Oral, where it's gone totally wrong, Oral gives him a piece of advice and it goes totally right because Oral unknowingly convinces Reverend Putty to begin a father-daughter relationship with Stephanie because it, it, it just boils down to here is somebody who is open to being in a relationship with you. And granted that you feel like you don't have anybody in your life, here's someone you can have something in your life with. It's a really touching moment because we finally get to see Putty have something in his life that can make him happy
1: and it also takes us to the episode close face
0: yes close face it's a really good episode so stephanie who's putty's daughter we learned a little bit about her backstory she went to the arm's length dance with doughy's mom and it was supposed to be as a joke to kind of drive Rev and putty crazy so they kiss in front of him and and stephanie she opens up to doughy's mom but doughy's mom pushes bags like no stop being weird we're just having fun like we're only doing this to drive him crazy but stephanie wanted more than that and that's 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 when we first learned that Stephanie is a lesbian or at least is attracted to women. She could just be bi. At the end of the episode, there is that nice moment where Putty tells her that, you know, I can tell that she didn't care about you. You should only have people in your life who care about you. You know, it has nothing to do with whether you're interested in women. It has everything to do about finding somebody who cares about you. Yeah, and it's just this really nice moment because then you can Uh see that even Putty is actually starting to accept people with different points of views and different beliefs and more accepting.
1: Is there any... Anyone else you want to talk about? So
0: we talked about him a little bit. We should maybe talk a little bit more about Coach Stop Frame.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: <laughs> this guy is so creepy in terms of his obsession with Clay. And he's also religiously ambiguous because he'll only follow the religion that's willing to give him what he wants. By the end of the series, we come to learn that he starts to not be interested in Clay anymore because he catches Clay with Miss Censor Doll. And he knows that wow, he's just willing to just throw what we have away. Like, it's one thing if he's messing around with Stop Frame or even messing around with his own wife, but it's another thing if Miss Censored all of all people, that's where he had to draw the line. And then he spends time with Oral, and he says this really nice thing to Oral because even though he's a gym teacher, he doesn't particularly like kids. Spending time with Oral, realizing like, wow, this is a really great kid. How could such a great kid come from two awful people? And he tells him at the end, like, what's honorable about your father, is that he was able to make somebody as great as you. So the series was able to... Humanize off frame a little bit more and not just make him like some creepy dude mm-hmm. who is just amoral and will do whatever it takes for his own benefit. But yeah, he does some messed up things like he knows he's shapy's father, but he doesn't even care. He doesn't help at all with that. So yeah, he makes some really terrible decisions, but it is nice at the end of the series that he's able to understand that wanting to be with Clay is actually not a benefit for him. He needs to rise above that. And one last character I want to touch is Miss Censored Doll. Even though Clay is the mayor the real person in charge of Moralton is Miss Censored Doll.
1: Can okay, we talk about the fact that she's the same age as yes, Clay?
0: Yes, she's 40 years old. <laughs> but. In the episode alone, we learn about her backstory. And I wasn't sure if you were going to watch it because I didn't highlight it for you, but you did end up watching it. it. So we learn her obsession with chicken eggs is due that she does not possess human eggs herself. When she was an infant, her mom had surgery performed on her that removed her reproductive system. But it isn't clear whether this was for a legitimate medical reason or some sort of religious motivation. It really messed her up. And I mean, obviously the egg thing is as a result of that, but just being an overall angry, bitter, person towards everyone else even though she loves eggs and she still like gets them banned because she doesn't want to look like a hypocrite in front of Moralton she chooses to be miserable which is the unfortunate thing and and a lot of these characters actually choose to be miserable but when you find out why Miss Censor Doll is miserable the way she is you feel bad for her you do
1: her conversation with her mother where she goes I can't have original sin because you had my organs removed so therefore I cannot be sinful like the whole thing is just so warped and I buy rationale because when something like that happens to you whether you're conscious or not but then eventually you learn you grow up It's just so wild where I'm like, is this for real? I don't know if it was motivation. We feel sympathy for her for the abuse she faced, or is this a ploy just to be funny? I'm not sure what the intention was for that reveal.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either because in the end, I mean, this is someone who has a uh, messianic complex. Right. And she just has her thumb pressing down on this town. A lot of the core problems that come with Moralton are directly because of her. So like I said, like I feel bad what happened to her as a child but as an adult I don't feel all that bad for her because she seems like a stable enough adult where she chose to be the person who wants to burn books that everything should be by the book religiously she needs to chill out man
1: (laughs) the whole town needs like a therapist so let's talk about some of the high points of the series
0: uh we definitely talked about a few things already but one thing that i think really was a home run for me like the first real home run of the series for me was the nature part one and part two episodes Mm -hmm. i was just floored by how dark and how far they were willing to go telling this father and son story and how tragic it's devolved to this i think has some of the best voice work i've ever heard in an animated show Scott Acid does the voice of Clay. He's also a producer, director, writer for the show, practically Dino Stamatopoulos' partner in this series. The voice work he does in this episode is incredible as we see Clay just succumb more and more to the alcohol and he he's totally blackout drunk. He shoots someone's dog. That's what they eat for the evening or I should say that's what Clay eats for the evening. He even has a dog mounted on the tree the head. He pitches a tent for his alcohol and then he goes on this heartbreaking rant about how alcohol was supposed to make him forget things and take the pain away. And suddenly it just starts to betray him. You know, it just doesn't work as well as it used to. When they originally showed this to Adult Swim, they were like, hey, man, that rant right there, that's too depressing. We need you to cut that out. And so Stamatopoulos, he was just like, I just can't do it. I can't cut this out. It's just too good. Because even some of that rant was actually improv. So it's just this wonderful creative moment that was almost taken away by Adult Swim. But fortunately, they said, no, well, this is how it's going to be. And this is how we're going to release it. And it worked, man. You knew after that episode, after those two parts, things were never going to be the same again. Shooting your own kid. How do you come back from that?
1: That's Episodes were just wild. And I'm like, okay, we're going there. And it should have prepared me for season three. It didn't. It turned. You can see it just matured. But yeah, I can see the reservations that adults Swim. Before, it was a satirical thing on religion where you could easily market it to the South Park crowd. When it turned, it's hard to define who the show is for anymore. It becomes hard to market because you're going to have a very narrow audience. With
0: that in mind, it's worth noting that Dino Samatopoulos said at the beginning, like, I didn't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Eventually, I'll just get bored. So that's why we started to see a little bit of a shift tone at the end of season one and at the end of season two and going into season three. He still wanted to do a dash of the same satirical stuff that he was doing before, because we do see episodes in season three that are very similar set up as the previous seasons. They even take place before nature. So the continuity and timeline starts to get a little shuffled. And like you said, it's hard to be ready for it for some people because... It's not the same show. Another high point is season three. I'm all on board for that. I agree with Stamatopoulos and Scott Adsit. I'm all about that change. I'm all about let's get darker. Let's really dig into these characters and see what we can get. I did not see a lot of it coming, but I don't regret it, man. I thought it was really cool. I'm really glad that they were able to, for the most part, have their vision. Now, did they take it too far with Alone? Mm -hmm. Yes, in the sense that it got you canceled.
1: That's a dilemma for a lot of TV shows is where do you want to go for the next couple of years? And clearly the creators, they want to go for that realism. And not to say that there wasn't like that satirical realism before, but Alone took it to a whole new level that had they gone on two more seasons, I could have seen the show get really real and really dark to the point where I think Adult Swim knew that was coming too and they'd rather cut their losses than get the wrath of a lot of people. So
0: when they were working on season three, they knew ahead of time they were getting canceled. So they had to tie up all the storylines right. in season three. That's why we have the season that we have. I think it still would have been gradual for the next three seasons, that really dark heaviness tone. Because I still think in the end, they still wanted to be funny. They still wanted to have funny episodes. There is truth to that where it's kind of like Adult Swim's like, eh, let's just cut our losses right. and just replace it was something else other things that i really thought were high points i love sign gags i'm all about that the church display sign gag has some good ones like jesus died for your sins and had long hair so that you wouldn't (laughs) it's always made me laugh Uh, um
1: yes we lied about santa but jesus is for real (laughs) yeah that's the best one
0: sinfully good is not always that bad (laughs) it's another one that made me laugh if it weren't for jesus you'd be reading this backwards dude (laughs) Or no hammers hardware store made me laugh because they have hammers. Right. (laughs)
1: Nothing but hammers. Yeah, nothing but hammers. All the mugs that the reverend had. I really hate my boss. And Jesus and the um, ass he wrote in on.
0: Jesus, they're Catholic free. Catholic (laughs) free and pre blast. The ice cream truck options: Jesus Crunch, Apostleberry, Samson and Delicious, Godsicle, Good Friday Sunday, Adam's Ripple, Easter Sunday, Matthew Mark Luke and Fudge. And do unto almonds.
1: <laughs> um, and then the um, camp storybook titles: The Attack of the Tree Huggers, the uh, Flesh-Eating Catholics, spine-chilling <laughs> yeah. lies, Charles Darwin. Those were good. Like I will say this: their gags were on par of the Good Place.
0: Oh, and another thing I noticed was like science classes only once a month. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you, you can't have it too much. You'll just confuse them. So, is there an episode you would throw out to someone? if they were sort of interested in the show which one would you choose
0: I might show them the episode that got me hooked because it has the blend of wow this is kind of dark but also has that satirical element more so and that's maturity because maturity is the same shenanigans and you see oral become an alcoholic so it's like oh wow a kid drinking this is kind of dark and it's more like well you ain't seen nothing yet and I don't think you're ready for that so let's just entry level your way into that watch a kid get drunk and then see if you like that so there's that and then you See how depressed everybody is in Forgetti's pub, so you know that there's a bunch of characters who are actually kind of weird and sad. So I probably would show them that one because I think any other episode is too satirical. You know that twist of spin we talked about earlier with Davy and Goliath, or just way too dark, where it's just not very inviting. So that's why I think Maturity is just the right blend that I think I would show them that episode, which is season one, episode nine.
1: Are there moments where you had doubts about the series.
0: Well, it's so easy to stay committed to this series because there are only 11 minute episodes. If there was any point where I was just kind of like, uh, I'm not sure about this. I mean, it could have been in season one where I was just kind of like, so we're just doing the same thing every week. Like right. how long could this actually last? And like if there were multiple seasons of just doing that of what they were doing in those first mm-hmm. eight episodes, I mean, I probably wouldn't have made an effort to actually watch it. I probably would have had it on, but I probably wouldn't have cared. What it was about the end of that first season is that, OK, when it comes back, I got to make sure that when this episode premieres, I'm there watching it Mm -hmm. when it's new. I didn't want to miss it. Whereas instead of just waiting for the reruns. Yeah, if I was home and I knew that there was a new episode, my butt would be parked in front of it. If it wasn't for those last two episodes of season one, I probably wouldn't have made a commitment to watch it the way I did. I mean, they were funny, so I, I never would have not finished watching it is basically where I'm getting at.
1: How should someone watch it? Should they binge it all or pace themselves? Season one is about an hour long
0: power through it and binge it season two it's not too different from season one it does get a little darker but same thing I mean it's not a long season you can binge the whole season two in two hours and season three if there's an episode that was a little too heavy for you stop for a moment Mm -hmm. especially if you finish nature maybe you should take a break and not go directly into numb and if you watch numb you might want to even take a break (laughs) it's a very heavy episode I mean mean numb is followed up by a little bit more of a satirical look at it but at the end of the episode oral that religious experience that he has like he talked to God in that episode we didn't see it but he did it right and then it gets suppressed by the beating that clay puts on him
1: this yeah sometimes
0: one at a time if you succumb easily to depression right. or don't like watching depressing things one at a time when it comes to season three
1: <laughs> right so say someone doesn't want to commit to the entire series do you have a recommended viewing order to help them get through it? Are there episodes you can skip or seasons
0: so I I do. I have it listed out, but it's sort of disorganized. I can definitely Mm -hmm. post that to our Facebook page later on. So I definitely think people should watch the pilot, and I think they should watch the last two episodes of season one, which is Maturity and the Best Christmas Ever. Season two, you want to watch that premiere, God's Image, and then Mm -hmm. you can skip a couple episodes. You can move on to Elemental Oral and Offensiveness, skip another couple episodes and get to the Lord's Prayer, skip another one and get to um, Be Faithful and Multiply. There's Repression Mm -hmm. and School Pageants. Presence for God and Nature's Part 1 and Part 2. Almost every other episode, you can actually skip in Season 2, to be quite honest. Even in Season 3, I don't recommend watching every single episode. Like, I honestly, I would leave alone off of the viewing list if I had to make a short list for people. I just don't think it's worth people succumbing to watching that very depressing episode, (laughs) especially when it doesn't add to the stories.
1: And we didn't really go into the entirety of that episode. I'm traumatized by that episode totally understandable.
0: And there's, uh, there's a couple other episodes in season three, like Dumb. It's about Joe, whose dad is an old doctor with arthritis, but he also has like dementia. He doesn't even remember <laughs> that Nurse Bendy is alive because Nurse Bendy is actually Joe's mom. And it's just it's this whole episode where it's just kind of like, eh, we don't really need to know Joe's backstory. Nope. And so that episode actually ties in with Alone. So if you skip Alone, then you're going to care even less about Nurse Bendy. So it's like you might as well just skip Dumb. And before Oral too, which is mm-hmm. the prequel spot special that they had in 2012, where Oral visits his grandpa. It's one of those episodes where it's like, if you watch it, you'll enjoy it, but it's Mm -hmm. not the end of the world if you don't. It doesn't really add too much.
1: All right. so is there any um, other material to enrich the viewing experience?
0: So what I will say about before Oral is that Mm -hmm. Oral goes visits his grandpa, and his grandpa teaches him like, hey, don't believe everything you hear, look for facts. And that sort of gets beat out of Oral when he goes back to Moralton. So you kind of see another reason why the relationship between Clay and his father is so strained. You see that Miss Censor Doll teaches oral about hell. It's fine. I think it's fine if you guys watch it, but it's not the end of the world if you don't. So there's also one more thing. There's this lost episode called Absidence. It's about Doe finds his true calling and becomes a professional cock blocker. So it was put together by Mick, Ignis and David Tuber, as well as a group of other dedicated Moral Oral crew members, and it was produced for free after the show's cancellation. It's unique in the way that it's a low budget look. It's similar to like Oral's home movies and the sets and puppets were built from scratch out of cardboard garbage and leftover scraps from the show. So it was released around 2009 at the San Francisco Sketch Fest and it was considered lost for years. But in 2015, David Tuber uploaded it onto YouTube. So you can't find it on YouTube, even though it does say that YouTube said it was a copyright problem with it. So it's now not watchable but it is watchable. I found it and I'll share it on our Facebook page. It's fine. It's a Doe-centric episode and Mm -hmm. I didn't really care for doe but if you want to watch a Doe-centric episode abstinence.
1: Would you want a reboot or a continuation series?
0: Yes. I want to see young adult Oral. I want to see adult Oral with his kids. I want to see how his relationship with his parents are as an adult. I'll take it in claymation. I'll take it in live action. I really think that you can have a very interesting dynamic. We're not short of of main characters who had terrible childhoods and have complicated relationship with their parents. We've seen it a million times on television. That doesn't mean I don't want it. I would love to revisit these characters and see what their lives are like. I would even like to see Shapey and Block because we know that Shapey becomes a policeman and Block becomes a firefighter. (laughs) So we know that they become functioning members of society and I'm all about exploring that.
1: It could find a home now because there's so many streaming services that could easily pick this up. So let's go ahead and um, I'm going to give you a few moments to sort of give one last pitch for someone to watch the show.
0: If you grew up with religion around you, but religion wasn't right for you, this might be the show for you because you might relate to some of the experiences, to some of the things that were preached, to some of the advice that was given, to some of the scriptures that were read to you. You might find it interesting like I did. If you're a fan of adult animation, this is definitely for you. If you're looking for something that's really short, but also has a beginning, middle and an end. This is another show for you. If you're looking for something that's just changed tonally on a dime, something that really surprises you around every turn or something that's really just going to push the envelope, this is one of the best ones to do it in that category. I just think that it's worth your time because it's also not going to take up a lot of your time.
1: Is there suggestions for similar shows or franchises that someone may also enjoy?
0: If you're a fan of more oral and you want to keep supporting Dino Samatopoulos, try Mary Shirley's Frankenhole. It was another Adult Swim series that he had for a couple years. I watched it, but I honestly don't remember a whole ton about it. It's about Dr. Victor Frankenstein. He's completed and mastered immortality and has also created wormholes, but he calls them Frankenholes. It's between somewhere in Eastern Europe, which is teeming with monsters and supernatural forces and every time period from the past and the future. So this allows historical figures and celebrities seeking the doctor's service to find him. Although many classic horror monsters are present, the main focus is Dr. Frankenstein and his family. So Stamatopoulos says it's like regular human beings are the monsters. So, yeah, it's another one of those short form shows that's only a couple seasons and uh, you can find it the same place where you can find more Oral, which is on HBO Max. Another one I have is the Charlie Kaufman written and co directed film that came out a few years ago titled Anna Melissa Romeo. I don't, are you familiar with this movie at all? No, I'm not. Okay, so this is a stop motion film. It's it follows a lonely customer service expert who's voiced by uh, David Thewlis. He perceives everyone all voiced by a same person until he meets a uh, unique woman who is voiced by Jennifer Jason Lee in a Cincinnati hotel. It's Charlie Kaufman, so you know it's going to be very, very depressing. Mm-hmm. And this was actually like an audio drama. Stamatopoulos really liked it, and he wanted to make it as a stop motion film. So his production company produced it and made it happen. And it's not for everybody. I will say that. Uh, there's mm-hmm. even some doll sex going on in the movie, but <laughs> oh, some parts make it an uncomfortable watch, I will admit, for the normal person. I'm not that normal of a person, so I didn't mind. <laughs> sure. But if you're into depressing works, or if you're a Charlie Kaufman fan and somehow missed this one, check it out. And just so people know, like, Charlie Kaufman comes from that sketch comedy background, just like Stamatopoulos. And I didn't really go into it, but Dino Stamatopoulos, I mean, he's friends with Dan Harmon. Stamatopoulos is Starburns, everybody. You should remember that, all right? Put some mm-hmm on this guy. He just has a long history of working on shows like The Ben Stiller Show, Mr. Show, The Conan O'Brien Show. Yeah, this guy has come a long way and has a lot of great friends. He's just a really cool, interesting guy. And finally, I wanted to point out some Laika animated films, the dark ones especially, Coraline, Paranorman, Kubo and the Two Strings. They all deal with death, which is something that Moral Oral plays around with. I'm just trying to think of animated stop motion things that have very dark tones and those three right there, all incredible movies that are definitely worth checking out.
1: All right. We did, did we it? Do it.
0: We did it. We talked about moral, we did it.
1: moral. I mean, it's not my usual cup of tea, but hey, it was a little fun diversion.
0: Stay tuned for final thoughts and mailbag. Welcome back. Romeo, this might end up being our lowest played episode. Moral Oral isn't exactly a show that has a ravenous fan base. It has a loyal fan base. You can find them on Reddit, like I find most Uh things. (laughs) People having plenty of Reddit threads about. But it's not exactly what I would call in the realm of popular, like, next week's show will be or last week's show was. So it's just one of those in-between shows. But that doesn't mean that we didn't have fun with the conversation. Yeah, you seem to really have fun with this one. A lot more fun than I expected.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting shows is not really for me, but it's fun. Most of the stuff was somewhat relatable because I grew up in a religious household. Once we got into the conversation, I think what I enjoyed more was talking about the show rather than watching it. That's where I found my enjoyment.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the ideas that were presented by the show that makes it mm-hmm. a fun discussion. So there weren't many things that we needed correcting. I was talking about Clay's mom having all those miscarriages and I just said 10 because I was basically rounding up to a number, but I happen to be right. She did have 10 miscarriages and I have all their names. So we have Clark, Clarissa, Clementine, Clara, Clarice, Clea, Clancy, Clarence, Clinton, and Klondike. They were all miscarried before Clay was born. It was something about Bloberta that reminded Romeo of a quote from the Feminine Mystique. And that quote is, each suburban wife struggles with it alone as she made the beds, shopped for groceries, matched slipcover material, ate peanut butter sandwiches with her children, Chauffeured Cub Scouts and Brownies, lay beside her husband at nights, she was afraid to ask, even of herself. The Silent Question. Is this all? And that is from The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. And one more thing, I talked about how I have a set of episodes that I put together that can help you streamline the show. We will post that on our Facebook page. And speaking of our Facebook page, you can find us there by searching for Binge Essentials, like us, and you will be able to keep up with what is going on with the show. If you ever want to contact the show, you can always do it at bingeessentials at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at bingeessentials. You can find me on Instagram at David Rocha Bench. You can find Romeo at R 2 You can find me on Twitter at David Rocha Radio. And you can find Romeo at R 1. And always, like I say every week, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe there. Be sure to rate us and review us. That would be really great and very helpful with the algorithms. All right, time to tease next week's episode. Next week's episode is The Office. That's right. We are tackling one of the biggest shows of the 21st century, The Office, and coming back to talk about The Office is from the Forcing Spike podcast, Chris Dunn. Romeo, can't believe we're doing it. We already did it, actually. It was a pretty good discussion. With shows like this, it's always hard to tackle all of it, but I think we did the best job that we could for our first try. I know people have their various opinions of The Office.
1: Either you love it like diehard fans or you love to hate it.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good way to put it
1: yeah uh, and we discussed the reasons why
0: all right with all that being said thanks for listening catch you guys next week